Hey, it's been a while since I've recorded a podcast, and that's because I've moved to a new place. I moved to a house, and now I have a window, and a backyard, and a front yard, and more space, and and it's generally a, a very positive change in my life, and I'm living with people who are my friends. So, that's been nice. Anyway, I wanted to uh, to talk about something. So, you may have been noticed, especially in Britain, are are happening. We got Greta Greta Thornburg. I think is how you say her last name. She's that young one, the, I don't know how old she is, maybe she's in high school or something, but she started this school strike movement where kids, uh, instead of going to school, they protest in favor of governments trying to tackle uh, climate change. They protest with the message that we need to do more right now to tackle climate change. And um, lots of students all around the world have been doing these school strikes for climate. And that's been spreading quite far. And and in Toronto as well, it's happening. It's happening today, actually. Today's Friday, May 3rd. And the school strike for the climate is today. Um, And instead of going to it, I'm recording this podcast. Um, anyway, and there's also been this movement called Extinction Rebellion, and they're also largely based in the UK, although they've spread out as well. I've seen Extinction Rebellion posters on in Toronto, in the streets in Toronto, but the protests haven't been as huge as they are in Britain. And I found this this article uh, about Extinction Rebellion, and it's it's called "Now We Know: Conventional Campaigning Won't Prevent Our Extinction." And basically, it's all about how you know conventional pr- protest is: you go on the street and you have a bunch of signs and you walk from one place to another down the street, and then you all go home after that. And the the argument in this article is that, and they, they draw on research, and is that the only way to have effective campaigns is to have large-scale, nonviolent direct action. And you may not know what that means. I don't really know what that means. But it seems like what it means is, from from this article, it says that only through disruption, which means breaking laws, do you get the attention that you need. So only through, let's say, 
let's say you're doing a protest and you occupy a street. Normally, protests are done on Saturdays or something or on, on a day where work really isn't really going on and people can kind of avoid it. But these protests, they're, they're blocking off major, major intersections in London all through the week. So people can't really drive and, and drive around as easily. And it's causing a lot of economic um, disruption. And so, and it's breaking the law because you're not allowed to do that. And then the second point they make is that only through sacrifice, which it, which in this case means the willingness to be arrested and to go to prison, do people take you seriously. And the third point is that only through being respectful to others do you can you change heart, hearts and minds. So you're respectful to the public who aren't in the protest and you're respectful to the police too which makes it easier for people to, to negotiate with you. So that's, those are the three things. So it's interesting. I, I used to go to protests a lot. And I remember there's in a few years ago, there was a big wave of protests. Um, there was a huge climate march in New York, I think there was like a hundred thousand people there or something, or probably more. Um, and in Toronto, we had our own version, which had 10,000 people. And it was kind of beautiful, actually, like people dancing and singing in the streets. Um, but after that, I, I happened to go and meet with my member of parliament which is my, my representative in the federal government for the area I live in. And I asked him what he thought about protests. And if he sees tons of people protesting in the streets, does that actually affect his policy? And he said, no, it doesn't. Because 10,000 people in the streets might seem like a lot, and 10,000 people in the streets can cause a lot of disruption. But that's only 10,000 out of over 3 million people in Toronto. It's a tiny fraction of the people. And so he doesn't he doesn't really pay attention to protests that much. And and I was like, okay. So the whole point of these protests was to make politicians hear our message. And then to go to talk to a, a politician and have them say, oh, we're not really, we don't really pay attention to that. Um, that kind of hit, hit home that like maybe the protests aren't very effective. But anyway, these protests in London are going on. And so it's been a few years since a big wave of, of political action has come. And this, this new wave, this Extinction Rebellion, started two years ago with a group of 
researchers and activists who met and started to think about why the po- the protests of the past haven't work, worked. And so they came up with this solution, which is that they have to be more disruptive and they have to break laws in order to actually be listened to. Now, I hope that's true, but I have my doubts. And just imagine you're a politician, okay, and you have, let's say, let's say you're, you represent, you're a politician in Toronto, you represent an area of Toronto, I don't know how much the population in that area would be, maybe a few hundred thousand. But you know that Toronto as a whole has over three million. And you see a protest that has 10,000 people and you're like, oh, well, a lot of these kids, they just like to have fun in the streets and dance in the streets and they just like to be angry. They'd be angry no matter what happened. You know, they don't really know about all the details of policy and how hard it is to make everyone happy. So I'm going to, I'm just going to let those 10,000 people have their, their day in the street and then I'll go back to work and I won't really pay that much attention, you know? A lot of, you can imagine you're a politician, you, you, you want to help with climate change, but you want to do it in, in a way that, that is good for, for everyone and, and that doesn't cause too much disruption and all of these things because those are the forces that are acting upon you. You, you have to get votes and you have to not cause any crisis and it's kind of hard to solve climate change without causing crisis in my opinion you kind of have to disrupt the economy a lot in order to transition to a more ecological society but anyway you can imagine a politician like that you can imagine being a politician like that and let's say a couple years pass by after that protest and now there's more there's people on the streets again but there's less there's not 10,000 there's there's maybe 2 or 3,000 but instead of just walking down the street and politely saying this is what we believe well maybe not politely maybe angrily and loudly and enthusiastically saying that this is what they believe instead of doing that now they're really being disruptive now they're really stopping people from getting to work or making people late for meetings and and preventing you know everyday people taxi drivers and and people like that from doing their work and now now you start to get angry cuz now here's this tiny fraction of people you know 3000 out of 3 million and now they think that they can disrupt everything just to get their point heard it's like they're throwing a temper tantrum you know and as a politician what do you do with that well here's what's happened in Britain here's another article that says after protests Britain's parliament declares climate emergency so in London 
the parliament declared a symbolic climate change emergency emergency on Wednesday. Now, the, and I'll read more of the article. It says, the measure was passed as an opposition motion using a procedure typically ignored by the ruling party and has no direct consequences for policy. It has no direct consequences for policy. So what's happening, it seems to me like what's happening is, is what you would expect when someone throws a temper tantrum. You try to calm them down without really doing anything to, to, to change things, right? If some, if some kid throws a temper tantrum because you're not letting them have a cookie, maybe you'll say, um, you'll try to convince them that the vegetables are good or something, or maybe you'll try to convince them that this is just as tasty as a cookie, or maybe you'll give them something else. Maybe you'll give them a toy or their favorite uh, yeah, their favorite toy or something, anything like you're not just going to give them a cookie because they have a temper tantrum, right? You try to, you try to just make end the temper tantrum as fast as possible without actually changing anything. And so this climate emergency was declared, which doesn't actually change anything. And it seems like the politicians are going to do a lot of things to try and stop people from disrupting traffic and disrupting the economy without actually changing anything. And this is kind of what I expected. And I don't want to be, I don't want to be pessimistic here because I'm, I'm not pessimistic. I'm very optimistic and I think that the change that we want will happen. But I don't think that it will happen because people get angry at politicians. You know, it, it's very strange to to see an article, that first article I mentioned, saying that the only way to stop climate change is through massive disruption. You know, that doesn't really, you know, the way to stop climate change is to heal the ecosystems. The way to stop climate change is to, is to heal the water and to stop burning fossil fuels. Now, they think that mass disruption is going to cause those things to happen, but really, the only thing that will, that will help you heal the water is if you physically go out and heal the water. You know, find a stream or a river near where you live and and go to it and observe and ask questions and learn about the ecology and learn about the plants that should be there or the or in the animals that that could be there and learn about how 
maybe there's pollution up, up the stream and and learn about how you can prevent that and, and physically prevent that. You know, if there's a building or if there's an industry upstream that's polluting the river, go up and ask them to stop polluting the river. And if they don't, well, then that's where law might help. It might also be where some sort of force is required. Maybe you could physically stop the pollution from getting into the river somehow. You can be creative with that, but you could, if you don't want to do that, you could just, you could plant things. You could plant more trees and more plants and you could plant flowers so that the insects come back and you could figure out what what the ecosystem needs in order to thrive in order to in order for the frogs and the turtles to come back where wherever you live whatever the natural wildlife used to be like before before urbanization destroyed it i know some of you might not live in an urban setting but some of most of you do and and physically do that like that's what's going to help and if, and if you're worried about fossil fuels, then try to make your life into a fossil-free life and, and try to do it in a way that everyone else can do it. Like, build communities so that people don't have to drive long distances every day. That's hard to do. You know? To, to find work close to where you live, to and to find and to build communities so that more people around you can find cl- work close to where you live. Like that, that's not an easy thing to do. And I don't, I don't know if there are politicians that that can even help you with that. But maybe it's not about finding work. Maybe it's about figuring out how to live without work. Maybe it's about growing your own food so that you don't have to buy food and maybe you can grow food so that people in your community don't have to buy food and so that they don't have to drive and use fossil fuels to go to the grocery store and maybe it's about lowering rent so that they don't have to drive and go to work maybe people can survive off of their labor without exporting their labor outside of their community. You know, if someone knows how to grow food, then they can grow food and that's how they pay their rent. You know, these are huge changes. But that's the kind of change that I, that I hope for. And that I think, I think that's the only change will, that will solve this climate crisis. And it is a crisis and it is an emergency. Like they say, but I think until we we realize that the politicians aren't really the problem. They're just serving the economy as it is. And there's they're serving this machine 
they're they're parts of the machine and 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 the only way to change things is to change the actual machine which means to change your relationship with how you survive and you can't force someone to do that you know if if you're growing food so you have extra food. You can't force people to eat your food rather than driving to the grocery store. You can't force other people to grow food in their backyards. You can't really force people to make these choices. Now, if you're trying to deal with giant corporations and maybe maybe force is required at some point and maybe the force that has been used in the past is useful. The force that helps protect our, our environment, the little, the little protections that we have, you know, we have national parks and things that are protected using force. But if you want to play a game of force, then you're going to lose because the corporations have more force than you. If you think they're the enemy, then they're going to win. So I invite you to see the ways in your life that you can directly help the climate by, by helping the earth. And I invite you to not see anyone as the enemy and help them to make those choices as well. Help them make choices that will help the earth. Because really, that's much more powerful than forcing them to make choices that will help the earth. If you try to force them, they'll do the minimum required. But if you appeal to what they really want, then there'll be a, a very effective effective healer. You know, a healer is much more effective if if they want the patient to be much more healthy and happy than they can even imagine. A healer that is only focused on the minimum to get the person to survive is not not as exciting to me. So appeal to those parts of everyone that loves the earth. And I hope I hope that works. And really, I hope these protests in London work. I hope the politicians um, do some real action because of this even though I'm skeptical. I hope it does happen. But I also hope that the people that go to the protests are having an experience of community and togetherness and belonging and meaning. And I know they are. And I know that going to those protests gives them a sense of meaning sense that they're working towards something important. And that's, 
that's really what what we need to focus on is giving people that sense of meaning and and if this fails and the and the politicians don't make the change then you need to find that meaning somewhere else but if you're finding it in protests right now then keep protesting and search for that sense of meaning keep searching for that sense of meaning all right that's it for now I guess we'll see how regularly I record these podcasts. It may not be every day. For a while I was doing that every day, but hopefully once or twice a week. And as always, if you want to contact me, the email is paulbartonsounds at gmail.com. We could arrange for you to be on the podcast if that interests you. All right. Bye for now.